Welcome to the Grove Community Church Sermon Podcast. We're a faith community seeking to change lives, change our community, and change the world. And now to this week's message. We hope you enjoy it. We have it pretty easy. Now, I know you not every situation is easy. I know that not every life is easy. I know that not every season of life is easy. I know that life in general is not easy, but we, for the most part, have it easy compared to what most of the world goes through, compared to what most of human history has been through. And sometimes in our comfortability, in the ease of what we have, we lose sight of just how good we have it. We lose sight of just how much we do have. We're so focused on what's wrong or what we don't have that we forget the bounty and the possibilities and the things that we do have. But we also forget that at any moment, it could all go south. (laughs) At any moment, it could all dissipate and all go away. We get lulled into comfortability and into the status quo, and we lose sight of just how easy we have it. And it's because of that that when we read Scripture, we tend to forget the context that Scripture was written in. Life was not easy for most of the people that we read about in Scripture. It wasn't easy, first off, because if you had to have a chicken for the dinner, you had to go out, catch the chicken, wring its neck, kill it, pluck it, all of that, and cook it. You didn't go to the store and buy a prepackaged chicken breast that doesn't have antibiotics and non-GMO, whatever, right? (laughs) It wasn't that easy. So even in the little things in life, life was hard. Understand that in the Bible, they didn't have flushable toilets. Just let that sink in for a second. In Scripture, they didn't have the promise of food the next day in a lot of these people's lives. It was not just a given that you were going to walk to the pantry or the refrigerator and it would be there. And even if you had resources to purchase food, it didn't mean that the fishermen were going to catch fish or that the baker was going to have enough wheat left over from the crop to bake bread. I mean, life was not easy, and in our comfortability and our ease, we forget that most of the experience of the people in Scripture, life was hard. Just in general, life was not easy. It required a lot of work and a lot of effort. Even more so for the people of faith, particularly first century Christians. Life was not easy. You lived in a world where there were two ruling authorities. The first century Christians lived in a Roman world because Rome had conquered all of that part of the world, and Caesar was over Rome, and there was taxes from Rome that were exorbitant. There were um, mean, uh, um, uh, I guess, soldiers 
that lived in your city and could make you do things you didn't want to do. There was, there, there was all sorts of problems that came from being under Roman leadership. And then on the other side, you had Jewish leadership that was in opposition to everything that the Christians were saying and doing. And so you had Rome and you had Israel in opposition to this small movement of Christians. And so from the very beginning, life for Christians wasn't easy. It was not easy. They were in constant persecution, whether it was against Rome from Rome or whether it was against the the Jewish nation. Constant persecution. And we tend to lose sight of that when we read our scriptures. It wasn't in a vacuum that this was written. It wasn't in comfortability that this document or these documents were written. It was in tough times. And so we're going to look at this passage from Luke today. And Luke is writing to a group of Christians and he's telling the story of Jesus. And as he tells the story of Jesus, he's implementing ideas and thoughts that are going to help this group of Christians that he's writing to understand how to actuate their faith, how to take what they know about Jesus and live it out in their circumstances, which again, were not easy. Under Roman rule, under Jewish rule, persecution from both sides. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke 12, and we're going to look at verses 8 through 12, or you can follow on the screen up here, or you can follow on your smart device. Now Jesus is talking to his disciples here, but there's this group of thousands of people that are gathered around, and they're wanting to hear about Jesus, but Jesus takes this moment to instruct his disciples not one-on-one, but kind of because they're in this crowd, but he's really focusing this teaching to his disciples. The other thing you need to know about this, uh, this context, is that Jesus has just had an interaction with the Pharisees and the leaders of the law who were trying to, to persecute Jesus. They were trying to catch him and find some way to, to bring action against him. So there was this adversary relationship that Jesus had with the religious leaders of of Israel and they were trying to catch him in some bad theology so that they could accuse him, throw him in jail, or crucify him. And so there's this tension going on. And Jesus is teaching his disciples in the middle of this tension. They understand it, they see it, they're living it. They know that if they follow him, it might end badly for them. And in that context, Jesus says these words. And I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man will acknowledge before the angels of God. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. In the middle of this persecution, understand that if you succumb and you deny me, I will deny you. Now, there's a lot that we can say about this phrase. It's in your face, and it's pretty stark. Jesus' point is, ultimately, if you are my follower, if you are my true follower, you won't succumb to the temptation. You won't let your circumstances destroy you. Instead, you'll lean into me and lean on me. You will let me carry you through this. You're going to see how that plays out here in a second. 
But if you're not truly following me, then when you come to this place of persecution, you will deny me. Right now, we see this going on in Afghanistan. There are pastors and churches in Afghanistan. There are Christians, people who have converted to Christianity in Afghanistan, who are being persecuted. And they are given a choice, denounce Christ or die. We have it easy. There is no one that's going to walk through that door within the next 30 minutes and say, hey, denounce Jesus or you die. But there are people in this world currently that are living that reality. And it was the reality of the disciples in Jesus' day. And so Jesus is saying up front, there's going to come a point where you have to choose. If you deny me, I deny you. Now, that's a pretty harsh statement, but he goes on to explain it even more. Verse 10, and everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. This is a verse that you've probably heard before. It's the one unforgivable sin. It's the blaspheming of the Holy Spirit, and there's been a lot of of commentary written about this. What does it mean? And we're going to get to that in a second. But Jesus is saying, verse 8 and verse 9, confess me before people, I will confess you before the Father, right? Deny me before men, you will be denied before God. Everyone who speaks in ill will towards the Son of Man, that's, that's forgivable. Jesus is saying, if, if people are, are misunderstanding who I am, Jesus is saying, the Pharisees, uh, other, other Jewish people, they might not understand who I am. If they are saying bad things about me, that's understandable. But anyone who blasphemes the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. So what does it mean to blaspheme the Holy Spirit? That's the question, right? I mean, it should be your question, like, whoa, hold up, pump the brakes. I want to make sure this is a big, this is the big wall that I'm going to build around my life. I'm not going to blaspheme the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Let's first talk about blaspheme. Does, it, does anybody know what blaspheme means? Huh? Curse. That's, that's one aspect of it. It's to, to, to talk eat bad about to denounce or to misrepresent, to speak ill of, it's all of those things wrapped up. This idea of blaspheme is, is purposefully speaking wrong about someone. Now, what does it mean then to blaspheme the Holy Spirit? Does that mean that we purposefully speak ill of the Holy Spirit? Well, not necessarily. One of my professors at seminary was a man by the name of Joel Green, and he's written the absolute best commentary on the book of Luke. And he says this, in this context, we may be confident that for Luke, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit refers to committing apostasy in the face of persecution. 
So I just used two words that you may or may not know, apostasy and persecution. Let's kind of pick that apart because I think he's spot on. Blasphemy is when you completely deny the work of God in your life. And so to blaspheme the Holy Spirit is to purposefully deny the work of God. To say, no, don't want it, push it away, not going to have it, want nothing to do with it. That's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. It's not just talking ill about the Holy Spirit. It's literally saying it's the choice, it's the inward talk, it's the choice in your heart and in your mind, and it's the outward action of pushing Christ away and saying, nope, don't want anything to do with it. What God has done on this earth, I want nothing to do with it. What God is doing in my life, I want nothing to do with it. Push it away. That's blaspheming the Holy Spirit. And so when it says, when, when my professor wrote that blasphemy of the Holy Spirit refers to committing apostasy in the face of persecution, it's when those people come to that place and they have a choice, denounce God and, and who he is and what he's doing or die, Apostasy, blasphemy, is choosing the denouncing. In this context, Jesus is saying to his disciples, you are going to be persecuted. When you're persecuted, when you come face to face with death and you're given the choice to denounce me or die, if you choose to denounce me, That's unforgivable. If you just leave it there, that sounds really harsh. And it sounds almost mean-spirited. It sounds like a mean coach if you grew up playing ball, right? My way or the highway kind of thing. But it's not where Jesus ends this teaching. The next part, I think, is the most important part. And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. So what Jesus then is saying is that when you come to that place of persecution, when you come to that place where it's on the line, where you have to choose me or death, don't worry about what you're going to do or say. Instead, trust in the Holy Spirit in you. I'm not leaving you alone. Jesus is saying that in the middle of your persecution, I am right there with you. In the middle of your trials, I am right there with you. In the middle of your struggles, I am right there with you. I will not leave you or betray you. My spirit is always there. And that's why he says it's the blaspheme of the Holy Spirit if we denounce him. Because the Spirit is with us and available. The Spirit is the power that enables us to do the right things. It's the Spirit in us that enables us to say the right things. It's the Spirit in us that enables us to choose the right things. And the Spirit will not leave us 
And he's speaking. If we just listen and allow. So where on one side this sounds like Jesus is being really harsh. He's what, what he's saying ultimately is, but look guys, you don't have to be afraid. I am with you. Just lean on to me and lean into me and I will carry you. I will get you through this. But if you denounce me, you're saying I don't want your help. Again, read this in the context of the original scripture and the original setting and Jesus' original intentions. He's using a very stark this or that for his disciples to understand that what they were about to go through was going to be hard, that life was not going to be easy. And then in the middle of the struggle, in the middle of the pain, in the middle of the hardship, the Holy Spirit will be with you. I mean, that's ultimately the message here. That in the middle of the struggle, in the middle of the persecution, in the middle of the evil, in the middle of the world falling apart around you, the Holy Spirit will be with you. I started out saying, we have it easy here, but what if we don't at some point? What if we don't at some point? And I know that a lot of people lament the change in our culture. But guys, this has been going on for centuries, since the beginning of of humankind. There is nothing new under the sun. There is nothing that we're experiencing in our culture that cultures haven't been experiencing since the beginning of humanity. But Christians, or faithful followers of God early on, and then Christians from the time of Christ on, have lived in and through all of the worst parts of our history as humans. And they've stood up. And they've overcome. See, your faith shouldn't depend on the culture around you. And if our culture ever gets to the point where it's hard to be a Christian, giddy up. We shouldn't be afraid, we should be emboldened. But not out of brashness, not out of I'm right, you're wrongness, not out of some place of we're superior to you, but out of the humility of the Holy Spirit working in us. Do you remember the story of Stephen? The first person killed for his faith? They drug him out, they threw him down, and they took rocks. Guys, rocks. And I don't mean rocks. I don't mean skipping stone rocks, I mean rocks. And they beat him with them until he died. And as they were beating him, his face shone. And he said, I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of the Father. And in the middle of persecution, at the point of death, he wasn't alone. 
He wasn't cocky. He wasn't brash. He wasn't thumbing his nose. He was peaceful and calm, and the light of Christ shone on him, and those who saw it knew there was something different about him. The Holy Spirit doesn't embolden us to become jerks. The Holy Spirit doesn't embolden us to be brash and obnoxious. The Holy Spirit emboldens us to live like Christ, who from the cross said, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. It was the Holy Spirit that walked with Jesus through his trials. It was the Holy Spirit that walked with Jesus through his beating. It was the Holy Spirit that walked with Jesus through his crucifixion. It was the Holy Spirit that was there when he breathed his last breath. And it's the Holy Spirit that will be with us. No matter what our external circumstances are. This is a beautiful promise from Jesus. He's saying in the worst of it, I'm there. And the only way I'm not there is if you say, no, I don't want you here. I mean, ultimately, isn't that the summation of this passage? In the middle of the worst of it, I am there. Be strong and courageous for I am with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. And the power that was through Christ brought him to resurrection is the same power that's available to you and me. I am with you. In the worst of it. But if you say no to me, I'll leave you alone. I hope this passage reminds you not to be afraid, no matter what's going on around you. One of the stories that has come out of Afghanistan over the last month is that there have been Christians, particularly pastors that have been hunted down and given the chance to live denounce Christ and live, or, or die. And now they're in glory. But we shouldn't be sad for them. As hard as it might have been to go through what they went through, they were never alone. And they're certainly not alone now. We hope you found this week's message meaningful and impactful. And as always, don't just hear it, but put it into practice. Until next time, have a good one.